This is First Class Counselors, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. First Class Counselors is dedicated to young and up-and-coming camp mavericks. By equipping and empowering our on-the-ground staff, camp directors can rest easy knowing that our campers are having the true life-changing experience that parents expect. Find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and professionals at camphacker.tv. Hello, Camp Pros. This is Oliver Gregan, Summer and Family Camps Director at YMCA Camp Jewel. And my name is Matt Hansberger, and I'm the executive producer of podcasting for Go Camp Pro, and you are tuned in to First Class Counselors. This is a series for camp directors to give to their counselors as they hire and prepare them for the upcoming summer. That's right. Camp directors, this one isn't for you. We have lots of great podcasts with Go Camp Pro, but this is for the camp counselors because they, in my opinion, and I think Oliver's opinion and a lot of people's opinion, camp counselors have the most important job at camp. If they are great, their campers will be great and have a great time. And if they're not great and they're undertrained, then you might lose that camper and they're not going to come back. So we want to give them the tools to succeed. And that's what we're here to do on First Class Counselors. Yeah, so you've tuned in to FCC's Quick Show. Here we cover one specific topic and cover the essentials as fast as we can. That's right. It's the need to knows. The can't go without. The fundamentals. And the basics. So what are we talking about today, Matt? Okay, we are going to be talking about campers who are missing home or homesickness. Uh, There's many ways to skin the cat. I want to give a shout out to uh, Matt L, who um, has been responding to the show and gave us some great feedback and uh, about some topics he wanted to see. So Matt, thank you for suggesting this. Not only do you have a great name, um, you've got some great ideas. So thanks for this. So we're talking about missing home and uh, how camp counselors can not only... uh, work with that. So when a camper is missing home, how do you, what strategies do you employ? But a little bit, we'll take a step back and kind of say, okay, what are, what do we need to think about when it comes to homesickness or missing home before we even get there? Because um, for me, missing home is one of those things that every camp counselor is going to be working with. Um, I don't think I've met a single camp counselor who hasn't eventually had one camper who was missing home and they needed to intervene. So this is something that not might happen, but likely will happen. So we want to make sure that we are equipped to be able to effectively handle that and um, do it with grace and compassion. And knowing, we're going to say this many times, but knowing that one strategy is not going to work for every kid, right? What I often say to, to camp staff is that working with a camper who's missing home means you're opening up your book of strategies and just like flipping through the pages of ideas. And one thing's not going to work. So you tear that page out and you try a different one, try a different one until something hopefully clicks, but we'll get into that a bit more. Oliver, you had some, some good points that you wanted to cover before we get started. Yeah, it is a kind of giant pool to pick from and it's a pool within a pool because not only are you dealing with kids who are, different kids, right? You're not dealing with them, but you have kids who are different kids from across all different boards, right? Whatever background this child comes from means that they're going to react to their homesickness differently. And then on top of that, you're also going to be working for a different camp than the camp I might be talking about, or Matt might be talking about, or your camp director is talking about, or the 15 other camps that Matt and I have talked about in order to make sure that you have a pretty cohesive way to handle homesickness. So understand that there are a multitude of variables that come into homesickness and saying one size fits all is really not a great way to go about doing this. 
So please think about your child as the individual they are. Think about your camp as the camp that it is and the values that your camp tries to present to the kids who come and make sure that you're doing what is best for all of those bodies. Now, another really important thing that I like to hit home with is I kind of have always seen camp sick as a mental health, not issue, but a mental health thing to think about. Uh, this is, it's a cold or a flu though. Eventually kids are going to grow up and they're not going to experience homesickness like they do as they do as a child, right? They gain those immunities in their body, but in their mental health so that they can get over homesickness. And camp is one of those places that really does help with building those immunities, right? For some kids, it's the first time really away from home. For some kids, it's of the longest duration they may be away from home. So that resilience is definitely built here at summer camp. However, with mental health, it is always important to understand that it is a health, right? They may not be as well at handling a sickness as maybe others are. So you can provide them tools. You can provide them the things that they need in order to try and come and overcome their mental health issue at this point in time. But it is very clear in mental health that the person who decides to help themselves is themselves, right? Mm. It comes from that camper saying, you know what, I am going to have fun at camp today. And it might not be that specific. It might just be they wake up that day and that light switch flicks, right? This is the day that they're finally going to be fine at camp. So keep that in mind. Understand that homesickness in its right is in some form, although not a form that would justify it being a, a mental health issue, but it is a mental health thing to think about when it comes to your campers. So um, Matt, what other big points are we trying to hit on today that you think are really important for homesickness before we really get into the tools that we're going to talk about today? Yeah, I, I really like what you said about um, that different things work for different camps as well. And, and we want to, again, like we always say on the show is follow your camp's policies and procedures first. And if these give you ideas that you can use at your camp, that's, that's what we hope for. Um, the other thing that I really like that, that you were getting at with the, the mental health and, and being healthy is to remember that this campers are coming from usually a place that they love their families and that they just want to make sure that they're safe and that they're okay. And they might not have had the lived experience to know that their families are going to be the same when they get back and that things are going to be fine. They just might not have had um, that experience before. And how awesome is it that they can have that experience at camp when they're around a bunch of compassionate people? Um, I remember it's it's very different when I was missing home at camp and we'll we'll touch on this later. When I was missing home at camp versus when I was missing home at my friend's birthday party, it was dealt with much differently. Uh, it was dealt much differently than than um in those in those two cases and I'm very glad that I was able to have camp staff there to support me rather than, you know, my friends in in grade 4. <laughs> who would like would tease me about missing home um so it's coming from a, it's coming from a place of love if we start with that then you know that changes our outlook a little bit and also the the goal of working with a camper who's missing home isn't that we want them to forget about their family or how much we care about them we just want to redirect those feelings to focus on the potentially awesome time that they'll have at camp and the last point that I want to drive in before we, we get to kind of the meat of the episode is that remember that this is really important. Um, these kids who are missing home may be camp directors someday, or they may be people that have long and fulfilling camp careers, whether that's as a camper or a camp staff or like even as a camp director. Um, the way that we work with these kids 
um, in getting them to have the best experience of camp that's possible may lead them into wanting to come back year after year. So it's important that we take this seriously um, because you never know who is the future camp director that you're talking to. And uh, just as a little teaser for you, if you stick around to the end of this episode, you'll hear from two camp directors uh, that totally missed home uh, and were homesick as kids that you know uh, were resilient and came to be camp directors of their own because they had great camp staff supporting them. So uh, tune in for the end of the episode. And uh, if we don't talk forever, like we can do sometimes, Oliver, maybe we'll get to that. So uh, let's, let's get to it though, Oliver. How do we begin to even talk about this? Like, how do you break down homesickness? Yeah, so we're going to really structure it around what you as a counselor are going to need, right? So we're going to focus on those signs and symptoms that campers might be having when they're experiencing that missing of home. Then we're going to talk about some preventative measures that you can start to take as a counselor to make sure that your campers can curve off of that path. A lot of times when campers are feeling homesick, it's not a straight up discussion with you of a camper having the mental fortitude of a 30 year old saying, I feel homesick right now. Hmm. (laughs) You know, it takes, uh, it's sometimes hidden in the background of their mind. They just know they're homesick. They keep thinking about it, but they haven't really talked to anybody about it these are preventative measures to kind of help them sway away from that area and start focusing more on the fun they're having at camp. And then finally strategies for that moment, because we all know of that camp counselor who's been, you know, sitting with that camper on a rock off to the side of the program, just trying to get them to cheer up a little bit, forget about home for that minute where they can get them back into the activity and really enjoying what they're doing. We're going to really focus on those three points because that's really where the counselor comes involved. After that point, or even at that end point where that camper is really struggling, that's a time where you might be wanting to talk to your camp leader or your camp coordinator or your camp director, whoever it might be, to come in and really help out. Because that's a point where they can actually be a resource for you calling mom and dad or reaching out to others who might have information on that camper to help you later down the road. So that's really important. Make sure you include those people with this homesickness. And we'll talk about that, of course, as we go on. So the first thing we want to talk about are signs of homesickness. Uh, We'll break this one down between Matt and I. There's one point that I do really want to hit on really quick before we get started with it. And that's the difference between signs and symptoms, right? Your signs are what we can see going on with a camper, right? We can see that they are leaving themselves out of a group or something. But symptoms are how they are affected. So this is what homesickness is doing to them. This is that sadness that they're feeling. This is that maybe we'll talk about a little bit, but the physical sickness that they are kind of imploring onto themselves. So those are two really key points I wanted to hit off right off the bat. Uh, Matt, is there anything you want to hit off right the bat for signs of homesickness, just as a big kind of key point before we get started? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's about not jumping to conclusions as well. Like you don't see one thing that we're going to mention in this and then you assume that they're, they're missing home and that they're, you know, that you have to start worrying about this. I think it's just, it's keeping those mental notes as you notice that behavior comes from a reason, right? A kid doesn't do this. Um, a kid isn't like rude to another kid on purpose. It's because of something or they're not sitting out in an activity, um, just because they want to sit out you know, there's a reason behind it. So just keeping aware of those things and then you piece together the puzzle as you go. So when we list off all these things, you know, it does, it's not a surefire sign of missing home. It's, you know, just one thing that could be part of that puzzle. Yeah. 
So to get started, it's important to know that campers from different backgrounds are going to have different signs and symptoms. It's where their background comes from. You're going to see that some campers may actually start to lash out because of their feeling of homesickness, right? It's a physical thing. They're not where they want to be. So they're going to act physically in order to make sure that others know they're not comfortable with their environment. Um, <clears throat> this could be, you know, throwing rocks, throwing sticks, hitting things, breaking things, maybe bullying other campers. It's not the first type of homesickness you really want to see, but it is possible. Um, it's kind of it coming from a place of trying to find control over their environment. And sometimes physicality can really assist with that. Uh, the other thing that you might see is that might be a lot of wandering. So this might be maybe a more introverted kid. They want a little bit of space to themselves. They're going to separate themselves from the group because they don't want anybody else to really pull off of the feelings that they're feeling and feel depressed. Um, they want to focus on how they're feeling off to the side a little bit more. Another one might be attention seeking behavior. So this might be, you know, constantly around the counselor asking questions or doing things that might be inappropriate because they know that these things are going to gain the attention of not just the counselor who is an adult figure in their life right now, but maybe other campers. And to them, this is bringing everyone together because as the person who's gaining the attention, it's starting to feel more like a family. The other one is <clears throat> you might see these kids starting to have a little bit more of these natures during downtimes. So this is a location or a period of time where you're going to see these behaviors come out a little bit more. Those are during rest hours or bedtimes uh, and sometimes during meals, depending on how your meals run with camp. Um, <clears throat> so you want to see those kids who you know may sink off to their bunk or may explode out of their bunk and be the opposite. Remember, those reactions are different. Um, another one that's a really good one to watch during meals, another sign is, you know, are they eating? Are they getting the food that they need? Or are they complaining that maybe this food isn't what I get at home? Um, <clears throat> that, that's not what I want to eat. It's not the same as mom's. Even if it's a passing phrase, and that's really important to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes that homesickness is not a for lack of a better word of explaining it, I'll act it out. But uh, sometimes a camper might say, well, that's not what my mom makes. That might be fine, right? But if a kid says something more along the lines of, my mom makes it differently and I prefer that more or I want it, I would only eat it if my mom makes it, right? Those phrasings or different ways of saying it, you as a counselor kind of need to hear and have it trigger you a little bit more. The other one is physical sickness. And this is a big one. And nurses should be aware of it as well. Hopefully your camp director has probably talked to your camp nurses about it um, or they become pretty aware of it pretty quick within the first session. But campers typically who are feeling homesick will actually start to feel that physically. Uh, <clears throat> it's not so much of a detriment to your health, but there are actually physical signs that you can see from homesickness. So talking to some of our nurses that, we've, that I've worked with in the past, you might have campers who are having problems going to the bathroom because they're not used to using a toilet other than their home toilet or like school toilet. So that sometimes is a really big problem. Uh, another one might be, again, going back to that food. So you might have a camper who comes into the nurse and says that they're only eating chips and that's all they're having at lunch or they're only eating this or that and their diet, they're restricting it back based off of um, whatever makes them feel most comfortable. Again, with homesickness, you're going to see campers are going to try to create, and this is my key point at the end here, is they're going to try and create the most comfortable environment for them to make up for the fact of the homesickness that they are feeling. Mm, so yeah. you got to understand that if they're trying to change the environment of camp to make themselves more comfortable, that's really the first sign you're going to start to see. So keep aware of that and keep your eyes open. Um, 
you can't assume that everything is homesickness as well. Don't just assume that every single behavior camper has its homesickness. If you start kind of going after the camper and trying to create that feeling, you're actually probably going to create the homesickness. So just make sure you're there for that camper and that you're being aware of how they're acting and how you can be available to help them out at the end. Um, your first and most important response, I will always say, is to see it and be available because no matter what the problem is, at least there's someone there to help in whatever way that they need it. So Matt, what are some of your points for signs and symptoms of homesickness? Yeah, I just want to give you a big shout out there, Oliver, because I never thought of it like that, that a camper is trying to make this the camp situation as comfortable for them as possible and like uniquely comfortable for them as possible because they don't they have that discomfort and they, they yearn for that. So that's a oh that's a really great way of thinking about it. So thanks for saying that. Um a couple of things I want to tack on here. I think you mentioned a lot of them, Oliver, but um talking about home a lot, not in the downtime. So you mentioned like the passing statements, but even if they're like really cheery about it and they're always talking about um, things that they love about home, um, even the most cheery campers during the day in those downtimes and especially at night, they can, that can start to turn that, that like love can turn into missing um, during the, the nighttime. So start to pay attention. And it's also really important to pay attention to what they're saying too. When we get into, um, specific strategies on how to work with a camper who's missing home, um, you can use some of those things to help you. We'll get into that in a bit. So, so take note and actually take notes um, for there. If there's a sudden change in their level of participation, especially in what they might be their favorite activities, if they love swimming and they're just sitting on the side of the pool, um, then you know that's something to take note of. Uh, if emotional moments at camp hit harder for them, maybe there's an emotional uh, story told at campfire or slow songs or the Bible study lesson might mention home or something like that. In those emotional moments, you might notice them, they, they start to go into themselves a little bit more or they start to isolate um, themselves because of that. Uh, that They could be a more emotional kid, which is, which is fine. Um, and it could also be them, uh, that trigger for them to, to start missing home because maybe their, maybe their person at home sings them a bedtime song or something like that. Um, then the last one that I thought of was uh, sometimes we notice that those kids who are missing home are drawn to adult figures. And I think this is right. Exactly what you were saying, Oliver, they're trying to find those remnants of home. So if you have a camp dog, um, which I, side note, I think every camp should have a camp dog. Camp dogs are awesome. Um, but if they're really drawn to that dog because they have a, a, a dog at home um, or they're drawn to if your um, directors are adults or are the same age as, as their parents, they might be really drawn onto them as an adult figure or someone or something that reminds them of home. Um, so yeah, those are some other things to watch out for. Um, but all all behavior comes from a reason is, is what I would just... Uh, um, emphasize at the end there so um even though uh even though these might be tied to missing home they could be tied to other stuff too and it's always just important to be taking notes and and i always encourage camp staff to physically um take notes in a private notebook when you have a second away just jot down some quick notes because they'll come in handy later for sure if not if not for working with that kid but communicating that to your unit head or, or head counselor or camp director however whatever your next step in the chain of command is so I think I think we can move on. Uh, did I, Oliver? Did you have anything else, or are you ready to talk about preventative strategies? No, I'm excited to get into preventative strategies. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so let's talk about those preventative strategies. Like I said, this is not the point where your camper is 
legitimately homesick and telling you about it, right? This is the point where you're trying to curve them away. And it's really important to know that these strategies can be used almost kind of no matter what, because it is just a good rule of thumb to use some of these strategies. Um, So to get those started, let's talk about it just being present, right? If you're starting to see that camper might be waving off that path towards homesickness, be present, be around them, be close. Remember, we did talk about a lot of homesick campers are attention seekers. It's a possibility. So if you're present for that camper at the very start there, you don't want to enforce that the attention seeking behavior that they're doing, if it's negative, is is something they should too. But you still want to be present for that camper. So if they're presenting negative behavior and you're there, you're not condoning that behavior, but you're still saying, I'm still here for you, even though I know that action is wrong uh, and trying to get it corrected. Mm. Um, also, be uh, mindful that some of your staff might, your fellow staff might be homesick. So also be there for them as well. You might mm. notice your co is a little homesick. I mean, <clears throat> I'm talking to international staff right now. And one of the big things they talk about is they're homesick, but their hours are different, right? Than ours. So calling home and stuff is sometimes tough. Think about your co and how they might be feeling homesick. Maybe, you know, they're from another country. That's a five hour time difference. And there might be a better time for them to sneak out, get a 10 minute phone call in with home. If they're not feeling, you know, up to the potential that they should be at. And Mm -hmm. you can be someone who can give them a tool to make that phone call possible by saying, Hey, I'll cover the cabin for 10 minutes, go call home, figure out, you know, make sure everything's okay and talk to your mom if you need to, uh, cause they may not get the same opportunities that others have due to the time differences. Make sure your co and your supervisor are aware though, when you are dealing with, or when you are with that camper. So when a camper is starting to show that homesickness, say, Hey, co for lack of a better name of my co right now, uh, it's the worst camp name ever. Right. Hey, co, uh, I just want to, you know, I noticed, you know, this camper was starting to feel a little bit uh, homesick or they're starting to show signs of missing home. So let's keep an eye on them and, you know, more eyes, we can cover more ground. Yeah. Next thing, plot the times that your camper will most likely be a missing home. We talked about downtimes before, but like we also said, every camper is different and individual. So uh, if you've noticed that your camper has acted out during specific times, make sure you know that during times like that, you might see that behavior break out again. So they might be different. They might be a camper who breaks out during an activity, right? Um, they might be, a, but most of the time you're going to see during those down times, that's where it's going to be. So plot those times onto your, look at it on that schedule and know, all right, cool. I need to be available for this camper at this time, or I need to make sure that camper is somehow occupied. And we'll talk about that in a second, mm-hmm. literally the second, keep them occupied. Make sure. <laughs> <clears throat> Keep those campers occupied. Give them something to do, whether it is an arts and crafts project or a physical activity of running around like crazy, um, or it's something to help you out in the cabin. Maybe it's doing a chore in the cabin during downtime, making sure that all the shoes are organized. Some people just need that feeling of being occupied. Uh, The real good trick here is like we talked about before, homesickness comes from a place of not having control or comfort over your environment, right? For a lot of kids at home, they know where everything is. They know how everything is. You need to make sure as a camp counselor and a camp professional that you're going to be there and make sure that the control and comfort that your camper feels at home, they also can start to feel in the cabin. Now, obviously you can't control the other people in cabin, their actions or their actions, but you can control things like making sure there is a shower schedule for everybody. So your camper knows when they get to shower, that peace Mm -hmm. of mind, um, they <clears throat> be clear with schedules and, <clears throat> and the daily occurrences on camp. 
make sure that they know the culture and, uh, and the actions that camp has, right? A lot of camps have secret words or just a natural language that goes around for places and people and all that is. Make sure they get that information so that they feel like they are at home at camp. Hmm. Um, I actually just talked to a counselor about this the other day. Simple things like putting on, uh, putting the cheer up on the wall for their village was something that was huge for their campers to start to feel more comfortable. She would go through the cabins every single day uh, after they had left and put up post-it notes of positive reinforcement, just little things to say, Hey, you're doing, you had a great day today, right? You don't know if that camper had a great day, but they came in, there was a post that said it, and now they accept it as the truth, right? So you're starting to build that comfort um, of them being around camp and reinforcing it. So they know that someone is there to care about them. The other thing is control, right? So a lot of people start to lose comfort without control. So make sure that your camper does have some control over their daily life at camp in some capacity. So a lot of camps have started introducing choice into their activities. So they get to choose what clinic or free choice or activity they're going to be in that day or for that week. That's really big. Make sure your camper makes that choice. Um, The other thing is make sure they have control over small things, right? Like Um, maybe you say, Hey, can you be the line leader today? Or can you be the person in charge of making sure the trash always gets out of the cabin? Those little points of control, give them a place of comfort. They know they have control over that thing and they can focus on that instead of focusing on, you know, the thing that they do at home or what home life is like. So that's really important. Those are preventative strategies I like to use. Matt, what are some that you like to use? I, man, a ton of those are, are it's like right out of my playbook. So um, good to see that there's some internationally uh, working strategies, right? U.S., Canada, we're, we're really not that different. Um, I, I think that some other things that I might talk about uh, would be knowing as much information before uh, even the camper gets there if possible if possible. So if your camp and not everyone's camp is the same, but if your camp has the ability to get camper behavior information beforehand, um, make sure that if that is available, then make sure you're reading it um, or ask if it can be available. Maybe your, your camp director hasn't thought of that. Um, uh, or like camper history forms. So I remember one thing that Pierce Williams does really well is that at the end of every week, the counselors write um, what their campers like, dislike, and any behavioral notes that they would want, that they wish they knew um, when deal- when working with that kid or having them in their cabin. And then that gets passed on to the counselor or that stays with the kid's profile. And uh, when they come back to camp the next year, we know some stuff on them already, which is really cool. Um, shout out to uh, Shannon, the administrator at uh, Pierce, because she like literally types in each one into their camp brain profile. But it is, it's huge to know as much as you can ahead of time. You might not have control over that, um, but you could ask, or you can ask another counselor if, if they've had, if they've been in that uh, cabin before, just to get a head start on that information. Um, the other thing that I'll mention, uh, this doesn't quite fit with preventative, but I guess it does in that remembering that uh, the family dynamics of every camper might be different too. So uh, they, that camper might have um, two moms, two dads, one dad, one mom. They might be living with a grandparent. There might have been a death in their family. Uh, they People and kids especially um, nowadays are coming from many different family dynamics. So as we address um, these things or if we're talking about families within the camp environment, making sure we're being inclusive and being careful um, with that language as well. And 
history forms and camera behavior forms can be really helpful with that too. So knowing more information, um, if it's possible for some camps, especially if you have like 300 or 400 campers a week, that's hard to do on an individual level, but as much as you can have control over, that's helpful for you. Uh, in terms of finding out data, like I said before, finding out early what they like, especially the things about camp that they like or the things at home that they like, anything where you can find common ground with them, it's going to help you in so many more ways than just when a camper is missing home, it'll help you just make conversation with them every day. But if we do get go down that road where a camper is um, crying or is uh, starting to really, really miss home, then if the more common ground you have with them, the better you'll be able to work with them. Um, two more things. The, the one is if you notice... Uh, if you notice uh, that homesickness is starting, try to steer away everyday conversations from home stuff. Um, so if you're, you know, you notice, okay, Billy is really starting to miss home and I want to help them. Uh, so maybe at this meal, instead of the topic of conversation being, you know, what's your favorite thing to do with your family uh, or your favorite family vacation you've been on, we can redirect it towards camp. What was your favorite activity? If you could do one activity at camp every single day, what would it be? You know, gear those conversations towards camp rather than home. Um, or, you know, if it comes up in a public way, if someone makes a big statement, like oh, I really miss my family and they say it in front of the whole cabin, you don't, don't deer in the headlights yourself. You can say something like, yeah, I really love my family too. And they're so happy that I get to be here at camp. Those kind of conversations can really set the tone that it, it's a normal feeling to miss the people that you love and that you're excited to be at camp because that's going to be one of our big strategies that we'll talk about is redirect, redirect, redirect. Um, so you can set that tone early. And then I think Oliver mentioned this, and I, I think if you went back in our show notes and counted, I've said this maybe 12 times, but having a schedule posted in the cabin is huge. Um, really giving them that knowing what's coming next is important for so many kids um, or even giving it to that kid just so they know what's ahead of them and um, – they're again, as Oliver said, building that comfort that they might not be feeling in that moment. So, um, those are your preventative strategies. And, um, if, you know, if everything is happy, go lucky, then these strategies will just, uh, will work for the rest of the week and everything will be fine. But that's not always the case. Is it Oliver? No, there is that moment where perhaps that camper's homesickness and feeling of missing home takes control and, it's that moment where it takes up some time to talk to them and feel them out and get them better again. So we're going to talk about that situation right now. It's important right off the bat to note that this moment is different for so many different campers. I've had campers who have stormed off and tried to run away at this point and tried to find their way back home. I've had campers who have gone over to a rock and cried behind it and hoped that no one would find them. Uh, I've had campers that have been in the moment of just talking with their entire cabin and just broke out into tears. So there are so many different ways that homesickness presents itself. We're going to talk about a few ways to make sure that in that moment, you can take care of that camper. Uh, Matt hits on it really important, but I do think that when talking about the situation, separating that camper and making sure that this is their situation rather than a public situation is really important. So Matt, with that being noted, I actually kind of want you to lead off with this and then uh, talk to us about that. You kind of have a really great step-by-step -step process into getting into that camper. So can you talk about that a little bit first? 
Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Then let's go point for point just because uh, it'll, it'll be fun to, to just rattle them off. We'll see how long we go for on that one. But uh, the, the metaphor that I like to start with when it comes to um, how we approach these situations when a camper is in distress, um, when I was taking my, uh, my ropes certification, so uh, my level one, as we call it in Canada, don't remember what it is in the States, but anyway, my basic certification for getting a kid safely up a high ropes element or up the climbing wall. Um, our instructor said that if a kid says to you, I want to come down, the first question that you should ask them is, or the first thing you should do is recognize the feeling. So being like, oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. Um, and can you tell me more? That second point of can you tell me why or can you tell me more is really important because then we know what we're getting into. So you can start to see how this connects to missing home. When a kid says, I want to go home, you're not just going to go into strategies. You're going to, you want to find out more information first. Because if we go back to the climbing wall metaphor, they say, I want to come down. If you say, okay, I hear what you're saying. The kid knows you've heard them. And why? If the kid says, because I'm stuck, you can say to them, oh, okay, um, that sucks. But I, I can see, so, or do you want me to help you? So that's the first thing you want to say is, do you want me to help you? Um, and because then they're ready to receive your help, like what Oliver said right off the top. Um, and the answer might be, okay, well, there's a little green foothold by your right knee that if you put your foot on that, I think you'll have a way to get back up the wall. And that could be it. That might be all it is. But you, if you immediately bring that kid down from the wall or you try to just convince them, if you try to be like, no, oh, you don't need to come down, you're fine. Both of those aren't really great ways to deal with the situation because we want them to experience that resilience of getting up the climbing wall, just like we want them to have that resilience of staying at camp. So if, if we take the metaphor of staying at camp as getting to the top of the wall or getting further up the wall, maybe not to the top, um, then I think that contextualizes the, the reason why I think it's so important to get information first and hear that camper out. Don't just try to avoid just because they're missing home, don't just try to avoid the family topic. Lean into it just a little bit and, and try to figure out why. So I think if you start with that, then your strategies, you can pick and choose these strategies more intentionally rather than just like throwing everything you know at them. Awesome. All right, for point for point, I'm going to say make sure that that camper is in indeed a separate place. I know I talked about this a little bit with Matt and he does have this point, which is great, but it's important to realize that a camper who's feeling homesick could potentially uh inoculate or not inoculate sorry that's the wrong word but could pass that uh sickness on to the rest of the cabin right especially if it's a younger cabin uh, a lot of counselors know that they live on this thin edge especially with younger campers of homesickness or not homesickness right or feeling homesick or not feeling homesick and if you're balancing that board and you're with a bunch of younger campers there's a heavy possibility if you allow that camper who's feeling homesick to continue to send those feelings out to the rest of the cabin, you're going to have an entire cabin of campers who are feeling homesick. So please make sure that you do get that camper not separated. You're not putting them into quarantine, but you're going to make sure that their feelings are not going to start spreading to the rest of the cabin. So it is important. Maybe take them into another room in a way that is positive, right? Oh, hey, that's something that I would really love to talk to you about. Can we talk in over here? Or could we talk about that after we're done? 
with this conversation with the rest of the cabin or uh, <clears throat> don't push their feelings off to the side though. If they do need to talk right then and there, make sure you do take them right then and there to let them justify those feelings. Um, it's important to manage those conversations when you have that chance. So make sure the feeling of homesick or the feeling of missing home does not spread to the rest of the cabin. That's my point. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, I just want to jump on that just because it might be embarrassing for them too, right? They might not used to be crying in front of their friends. And I know maybe, for example, maybe like a nine-year-old boy, that they might not used to be showing that kind of emotion with the other boys in their cabin. Or boy or girl, it doesn't really matter. Um, so being compassionate in that moment too and, and not like trying to shush them or make a big deal, just heading out and say, hey, let's go chat on the porch about this. Um, and then using a co-counselor and... and um, if, if, a, if a staff member like walks out of the hallway and they're like, what's going on? You can say, oh, you know, Billy and I uh, are just going to go chat for a little bit and just be compassionate in that way because it might be embarrassing for them. Um, I guess along the same vein, the first strategy that I say is reminding them that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay that they're feeling that they, that they love their parents or that they love home and um, it's okay to miss people that they love and that you feel that way too. That just means that you love them. And it's totally okay. Um, and remind them that it's your job to help them feel better, that you want them, you know, I, I want to be here with you to help you feel better. Um, and that's why I'm here because I care about you. So starting that foundation of trust. Um, that's my, after the following the climbing wall metaphor, I always, always say that, that it's okay to feel that way. All right. I feel like our point for point is going to be a competition of um, <laughs> who can hit what point first. Um, it might be, yeah. So uh, I also reflect on your point of asking them a question that climbing wall metaphor is a great one. Uh, and then justifying those feelings afterwards, I think is really, really important. Uh, and how you phrase that is also really important. You never want to tell someone how they feel, right? If you go into it saying, oh, you're missing home, mm. right? You have now categorized and compartmentalized all of their feelings. And for someone who's feeling it may not be a simple box that it fits into. You know, it's a giant amoeba of feelings at that point in time. So you need to make sure that you say things that are more supportive. How can, I can see how that is tough or challenging, or I can see how that makes you feel. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Uh, <clears throat> allow them to do those feelings for as long as they kind of need to. Let them spill those guts. Sometimes you might have a camper who doesn't even want to talk to you. Maybe they would rather throw a stick. Allow them. That's them showing how they feel right? Mm. So you need to allow those campers to do it again if it's safe um, and in a way that works for you uh, <clears throat> and the camp and the campers around you. So just make sure that you are allowing those feels, feelings to be the feelings that they are and then allow them to be justified just like Matt was talking about. And you know, if they do say, I miss home, your answer can simply be, that's okay. You can't, missing home is fine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with that feeling. So justify those as well. Um, yep. uh, what's your point, Matt? What do you got? Okay. All right. We're going to move it. I'm going to move into the practical. You're, you're probably listening right now. Be like Matt Oliver, stop talking about feelings and philosophy. Let's get going here. So my first one is offer a stuffed animal. Um, 
it's it's so surprising that a kid of any age can connect with a stuffed animal. And one thing that Pierce did that was really cool was the the head counselor asked the staff to all bring in their old stuffed animals or any ones they're not using anymore. And we just had a bin available in one of the staff offices that if you needed one to give to a kid and just saying, hey, you know what? I sometimes I use a stuffed animal to help me feel better when I'm feeling sad. So here, you can have this one um, for the week. And then if it's not even yours, if it's just an extra one, then they can keep that. And it's a nice little takeaway from camp. All right. Uh, my point here is going to be make a short-term deal with them. So say, uh, if then can we, so if we do this, then can we do this? Right. So if you can, um, you know, go play basketball with us right now, then we can, you know, sit down and write a letter home. Right. That's a really great one that I know we use here all the time at camp. So you're still justifying their appealing. You're still letting them get it out. But in this moment right now, you might be in a place where you're saying, Oh, we really need to get to this activity. We really need to get on it. So, um, I'm going to make a short-term deal with you and who knows, maybe that short-term deal or maybe two of them or three of them might get them to a point where they're doing activities and then they kind of forget about that second half of the deal and they just kind of keep enjoying their day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do make sure that if they do forget about the deal though, that you're not going to ignore those feelings because they might not bring it up because they might think that it's your job to bring it up. If you do make a deal, make sure you do come back to them. Maybe not the most opportune time, but say something like, Hey, uh, I noticed that we have a little bit of time right now. Would you like to do that? Or um, <clears throat> so don't just ignore the promise that you kind of them, gave them or the deal that you made. But uh, it is uh, a great way to get them moving maybe a little bit quicker than if you are trying to. So what do you got, Matt? Nice. That's good. Um, I think when it comes to writing a letter, I'll, I'll expand on this one a little bit. Just make sure you know your camp's procedure for writing a letter because it's always awkward. You know, if a kid says, and you won't read it, right? And, um, you know, some camps policies might be that they need to read outgoing mail because the, the kid might write something that's not so great. Um, or, or like it might not get home to the parents, right? If post takes longer than the camp session, they're not going to get it anyway. And some camps might say, well, we'll give it to the office and transcribe it. And you don't want to lie to a kid, right? You don't want to say that you're going to keep it a secret and, or you'll promise to send it if you can't do that. So writing a letter is a great strategy because it can help them really um, like verbalize through writing their feelings, verbalize through writing, get, get their feelings out there um, and kind of confront those feelings too. Maybe they're like, oh, I don't actually feel that way. Um, it, like journaling, it can help in that way too. So writing a letter or journaling, I would say is a good strategy as long as you make sure you're doing it within the bounds of you know, your policies and what can actually be done. So that'll be mine. Back to you, Oliver. Uh, my next one is connection. So develop a connection with that camper. Remember, you don't want to make it all about you, but if you have a common uh, feeling, you can always do that. Example, Matt and I are maybe going to talk about our um, previous feelings of being homesick, which you might be able to connect about. Um, but a really good way to show connection is, um, I've talked about it in the show before, but just to reiterate, uh, I've worked at a camp before that does a bread te- technique. So the little tags that hold your bread bag together at the very top, I don't know if Canada does it the same way, but yeah, yep. uh, yeah, those little tags, you put them on the top of your shoe, connected to your shoelace, and they stick on there pretty well. And uh, you tell campers, if you see somebody else who has a bread tag on their shoe, it's a secret code language of not letting you know that you know, everyone feels a little bit of homesickness sometimes. So that bread tag stays on there. And another little trick is once that bread tag falls off on its own, typically your homesickness is over at that point. It's mm. been cured. So, um, and even the youngest kids believe that that bread tag might be able to um, carry their homesickness away. And when it disappears, they 
put the connection of like, oh, homesickness is gone. My bread tag gone, homesickness gone. Sweet, back to playing. Um, so the bread tag technique is always good. Cool. Uh, my next one is schedule and countdown. So having a schedule handy um, that you can go through with that camper. And especially if you can pick out their favorite parts of the day. Um, I talked to uh, our camper counselor care coordinator from last year at Pierce or head counselor, if unit head, whatever you want to call it. And she was saying that uh, she was working with a, a camper who was missing home and they picked up the best parts of the, of their camp day, what they love the most. And she counted down how many of those uh, there were left and made a separate sheet with their own personal schedule that just had check boxes and said, look, it's only 14 check boxes till we go home. And that camper can check off as they go. Um, especially if you're focusing on their favorite parts of camp, that they don't think about either the things they don't love so much or how long the camp days actually are. They're just checking those boxes. So um, schedule and countdown. Uh, I remember once I mathed out the number of um, seconds that it would take for them to go home. And then I was like, well, okay, we can't really count sleeping and we can't really count walking to a place. So really it's only like half a day until you get to go home. And it, again, it was one of those things that just kind of worked and, um, I don't remember if it's worked since, but it worked that time. Yeah. I think that's like a, a bonus one to break off of it. It's just confuse the camper to a point where they're just like, Oh, how many seconds are in a day? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Redirect, man. Redirect. Yeah. Um, another one, and a lot of camps might do this already, but it's a great opportunity to take advantage is cabin talks. Make sure you sit down and have a chat at the end of your day, whether it's with that camper specifically or with the cabinet as a whole. Uh, if your camp doesn't do this already, don't worry. You might be able to just do it with your small cabin, right? You have a way to share that day. I remember I had a wonderful experience of uh, talking about this during at a uh, talked about cabin talks and cabin chats and devotions and ruminations. They're all the same thing. A lot of camps call them something different, but uh, I was talking about it at a conference and a gentleman who worked for a sports camp specifically came up to me and goes, dude, we don't, We've never done anything like that before. That would be amazing. And I was like, oh, cool. Take it away. Go for it. So if camp doesn't do it already, although we talked about it on the show, like it's just something that people do. It might not be something you do. So give it a try. That's good. Um, I would say there's some good breathing strategies. Uh, one thing I say to kids, if they're, if they're crying or extremely distressed, um, I might say to them, I really want to talk with you about this, but I can't understand you um, if, you're, if you're crying like this. So let's try some breathing. Or you don't have to say that intro statement. You can just say, okay, let's try breathing. Um, and sometimes you can say, pretend like you're drinking a milkshake through a straw and breathe in through your mouth. And then you can try uh, blowing out, slowly blowing out a candle with your, uh, with your exhale. So, um, can then breathe with them and slow down their breathing and their heart rate because, um, if they're crying and in distress, they're not only, are they not necessarily talking straight? They might not be thinking straight as well. So get them, um, on a slow breathing and breathing with you. And then you can start your conversation from there. Uh, I talked a little about before about letting it out. So this is stomping or drawing or running or writing, and it does connect with a lot of things we've talked about already. Um, a really good story that I have for this is I did have a camper who was really struggling with this new environment. He came from a very different home environment and was really struggling with it. And we went over to what we call our quiet bridge here. And I just said, we're going to go on the quiet bridge, but we're not allowed to make noise on the quiet bridge, but we're going to stomp really hard. So him and I went on the bridge and we stomped really hard and we jumped up and down as hard as we could and stomped and stomped and stomped. And then we walked off the bridge and exhausted. And I go, you feeling better? And he's like, so much better. And we walked back to the activity and that was it. That was his, 
that was the cure to his homesickness, just letting it out, just yeah. getting that little bout. And like we said, every camper has different feelings. He didn't want to talk. He didn't want to draw or write or do something that I would consider constructive at the time. He just wanted to let it out. So we found a constructive way for him to do that, and it worked really well. So think about how you can let those things out with campers. Because homesickness sometimes is just a frustration because they're angry at the fact that they're feeling this way, right? So find a constructive way to let it out. That's awesome. Um, okay, so this is the strategy now is you're using the data that you've collected. So you're finding out their favorite things about camp or their favorite things about home and finding a way to integrate. So if, if you know some things about home, maybe they love their cats, um, you can integrate it into camp. And I'll give a shout out to Maddie or her camp name is Benny. Um, that sh- This was, again, with another situation she worked with. Um, and I'm going to butcher the story. So sorry, uh, Maddie, if you're listening to this. But uh, the camper had cats that they loved at home and they were really excited and they really missed their cats but they were really excited so I think she got the camper to write a story about like how the cats would interact with the camp on the daily basis so what the cats would do during chapel or what meals the cats would like um, and then she encouraged it the camper to experience the day and do some like journaling about the cats about what, how the cats would interact with those parts of, of camp. So um, kind of mashing the two things together of the thing they love at home and camp. And that keeps them going and keeps them trying out different things. That's good. All right. Um, let me see. I'm going to hit a couple here for the sake of time. So yep, yep. Uh, I'm going to say give control, add comfort, right? So ask the or give the camper something that they can control for the cabin group or for themselves during the day. This might be something simple like, hey, can you make sure that we're always setting the table before meals? You as a counselor get a camper now who's reminding you maybe some of those daily tasks that you forget about and they are getting control over something that's really important for the environment they are in. The other one is adding comfort, right? We talked about this before. We want to make sure that the camper feels comfortable at the camp. So ask the camper, what would make you feel more comfortable at camp? Sometimes it's just that simple. Ask the question and they may be able to give you an answer of something that you can do to help. Sometimes they're a little homesick and they just tell you, send me home. It's really tough. But asking them, what is something I can do to make you more comfortable at camp? You know, keeps them at camp when they have to give you that answer. So trying to ask questions in that form uh, and then make them more comfortable. I think giving them a stuffed animal, like Matt said, is something that will make me super comfortable. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Okay, yeah, I'm down to my last one here, I think, is basically just to sum up all this, just don't promise anything um, to them that's outside of your camp's policies. So we know camps approach things in different ways. Um, just you really, if a camper says, you know, I want to call home, and you'll be like, you know, I'll talk to the camp director about that. Maybe we can make that happen. Then you just threw like two levels of staff under the bus because you've promised them something that might be what the camp doesn't do, or maybe they can't do it. Maybe they're, maybe it's a remote camp that can't um, call out if, if that's a, a thing. But um, if they insist on calling home, something that I, that I say sometimes is I, I, you know, that's not an option right now. Let's talk a little bit first and we can explore that option if that's our only option or, or just try to redirect that question. Um, and when you, if, if and when you pass that conversation up, which we could record a whole another episode on for camp directors on what, what to do or, or unit heads, and maybe we will, um, you know, making sure you know, you tell them that, hey, you know, this camper is insisting on calling home and this is what I said to them so that you're giving that consistent message to the camper. Just don't throw people under the bus and promise anything you can't do. 
So it's like an anti-strategy, I guess. Well, uh, for those of you who are listening, I know that Matt and I have more things in our show notes. So we're always willing to give more information. If there's anything that you're looking for, as far as this information, please just reach out to us. We'll be happy to show you all the different things that you could do in the situation um, that we know of. And maybe you could share a few more with us. We always are willing to learn. That's the biggest thing about the reason why we do our podcast is to continue Mm -hmm. learning. So uh, with that being said, the last point that I do have for this is make sure you do keep time track of time and ratio um, while getting a hold of that the co co counselor or coordinator or leadership staff member or director um, keep track of the time that you spend with this camper uh, and where you're kind of supposed to be while this conversation is being had um, I say this as a camp director because this kind of gives me a better idea of how often and how much and where this home sickness is going down this you know kind of down this hole so Uh, And that's really important because you may get to a point where we find out that this camper maybe does have to go home, that they aren't ready for the full duration of that week. This information that you could write down could really help your camp director because we can see in two different things. One, the time frame that you spent with them uh, and the time that you spent away from the responsibility of those other campers shows us that the other campers might not be having the experience they should because you're being Uh, held up with this other camper. So really important. That's a simple way to communicate to your camp director and let them know, Hey, look, I got this kid um, who's fantastic, but is very, very um, in the situation of missing home. Um, We've spent at least an hour and a half this morning uh, and another hour this afternoon trying to calm down this feeling. Uh, Mm. What can you do to help me? So write it down, put it on that piece of paper and you can start to get that help from your camp director. Yeah, I would just say that just remember as, as, a, as a conclusion of this, that this isn't easy, that working with a camper who's missing home can be the hardest thing that you'll face all week. Um, and because it's so hard to approach a crying 10 year old and that might you as a 16, 17, 18 year old might have never had to deal with this before. So, so we, we get it that it's hard. Um, but I would encourage you again, like I said before, just try your best and do as much as you can before you move it up the chain of command. Really try and exhaust those strategies and try to connect because you actually have the best opportunity because you have that emotional connection with that camper. You are their counselor. You are there to help them and, and help them have the best week um, the best week they can. And when it gets to your camp director you know, for most camps, it's going to pass through a couple of people before they make that decision to send the camper, to have the camper go home or not. So um, you, A, don't have control over that. And B, it's your job as the camp counselor to help them have the most fun possible while they're at camp so that most of their moments are positive. If they do go home early, then you can rest assured and know that you gave them the best experience that you you can and hopefully they come back and give it another try next year but if you ignore this or you don't put your full effort into it then their last memory of camp is going to be a really crummy one and they might not come back so help out your camp director and everyone else by just putting in a really solid effort here and and i I know you will now it's time for the show where it's time to get ready and get ready for what you're going to be doing next summer so what are the best things to prepare you for matt and i got two great ideas you can start doing now that will make you a great counselor next summer. Matt, what is your advice to these wonderful counselors listening in? Yeah, I think uh, if you've listened to some of my get readies in the past, you know that gratitude is a really important thing for me. Um, And we're recording this around the holiday season in 2019. Um, So whether it's a Christmas card or a holiday card or just a note, I think it's really important um, 
that we just express gratitude to people uh, that have helped us. Um, and uh, if you maybe missed home as a camper, then maybe you can send a note to the counselor who helped you um, or showed you compassion and say, hey, you know, I'm really grateful that you did this because it allowed me to continue to uh, have a camp career. Um, and just those notes out of nowhere, I, I know they brighten my day. Uh, so I, you know, spread some love, spread a little sunshine, even if you're uh, doing this outside of the holiday season. So that's my get ready for you. Yeah. My get ready is actually it's part of a staff training that we, or I want to do or have done in the past is it's writing down levels of homesickness. So kind of saying, where do we start to see certain signs at certain times? Now, I know we've talked a lot in the show about every camper is a little bit different. So it's really up to you to start to think about where those levels start and, you know, end uh, for the most part. So I say start from level one. What's the most basic level of homesickness you think you can see? And then go all the way to level, I call it level going home. So that point where, you know, that homesickness is really out of control. What are some signs, symptoms, and things that you think you would think about? This is visualizing what you do, right? It's just like an athlete would do if they were visualizing that three-point shot or that touchdown catch. It's you visualizing what does homesickness look like? What can I do to assist it? So take that take that lesson and see if you can do it at home and then talk to somebody about about it talk to your camp director talk to another leadership member talk to a co-counselor and you guys can start to level out those things and it will help you communicate better when it comes to summer because you might be able to say oh i think this camper is at a level two right now if they're starting to get to a point where i need a little bit more help Mm, that's good all right matt um if people want to contact you how are they going to go about doing that yeah, so you can email me at matt, M-A-T-T, at gocamp.pro, or you can find me with my camp name, which is Iskis. So at Iskis on the Insta, you can find me there. Um, I also want to give a shout out to those people that have been uh, responding. Every week I, or every episode, I kind of give a challenge to just see who's listening and, and get people's opinion. Um, so shout out to Matt and Katie um, and Megan and a couple other people who have sent uh, me uh, messages just to let us know that you're listening. So my challenge for you this week to send to Matt at gocamp.pro is I want you to send me um, my favorite emoji, which is the poop emoji. And then let me know your favorite podcast that you listen to. Um, so whether it's first class counselors, I, you don't have to lie. Um, I want to know what podcast you like. So poop emoji plus podcast, and I'll send you something special. Um, Oliver, how about you? How can people get a hold of you if they have questions? Uh, you can just reach out to me through my email. It's oliver.gregan, G-R-E-G-A-N, at G-H-Y-M-C-A.org. Uh, people always ask me, it stands for Greater Harford YMCA. Um, so greaterharfordymca.org. And uh, I like how Matt gives everyone little challenges. Um, so you can also reach out to me on Facebook. But if you want to reach out to me and send me some form of a Christmas card or camp uh, or Christmas gift or holiday gift of whatever uh, holiday you're celebrating to this time of the year. I think it would be hilarious. So uh, you can message me on Facebook on Facebook and it's just my name. It's Oliver Cregan. So hit me up there. Nice. All right. So if you enjoyed today's show, we'd be so grateful if you left us for a review, wherever you're listening to this podcast, your ratings and reviews, not only tell us what you like about, and don't like about the show, but it also boosts our rankings and helps more people discover what we do. 
Also, don't forget that you can find all of our show notes at camphacker.tv slash podcast. There's lots of great stuff there from our show and other Go Camp Pro podcasts out there for you to check out. Thanks for listening, friends. Camp is camp and camp's all good. First Class Counselors is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp Pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.